ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's up? What's going on? What's good, everybody? This is the March 7, 2021 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. Check it in here. JR Bell Live. Of course, the leader of the Boxing Source. And we have uh, different ways that you could follow this particular movement. You have... Um, where you could uh, get in through Facebook. You could join the Facebook page. Uh, you also have uh, us on Instagram, so you can follow us on Instagram and through Twitter at Boxing Source 2. And of course, we have this YouTube channel where, uh, you know, people can get on, subscribe, and, you know, get either, you know, updates or, you know, things where we go into live conversations uh, during the week. But, Yo, right now, just wanted to check in for today and go through, you know, a few topics that are out there in the boxing world. You know, of course, um, you had the uh, events that went down on Friday night. Uh, of course, we had uh, Demetrius Salida on the last podcast talking about the pay-per-view uh through you know you're able to order through fight tv and whatnot um but watch it through fight tv so we're going to talk about you know that particular fight between Clarissa shields and maria de care and you know also you know what else was on that particular card we're also going to look ahead to you know what was happening or what's coming up on march 13th as you have action over in the dallas texas area and you do have action, you know, that is scheduled at Uncasville, Connecticut, dealing with a former super middleweight champion. Uh, so we're going to get through, you know, those and a little bit more uh, in this particular podcast. Uh, so uh, if anyone wants to, you know, be a part of this that is, you know, watching or listening live, um, you know, we have uh, ways that you could do that. Uh, but for those that are going to be, you know, listening later on in the podcast. It's going to be available uh, through multiple platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all of that. Um, you know, you could just uh, go ahead and subscribe to that podcast and uh, be part of the Boxing Source movement. But I uh, wanted to get things going, get things jumping and whatnot. As you had on March 5th, the uh, fight card that was a you know all-female uh, fight card uh, that they showed through fight TV uh, was something that 
you know, like you said, uh, through Demetrius Salida, you know, we kind of like talked about, you know, putting this thing on uh, for, you know, people to, you know, watch. And, um, you know, we were able to, you know, see uh, about, what is it, like four, pretty much like four fights on that card. Uh, you had, you know, uh, Jamie Mitchell uh, in there against Noemi Vasquez. Um, you had Marlon Esparza against Shelly Barnett, Danielle Perkins against Monica Harrison, and the, the uh, main event there, of course, the um, undisputed super welterweight title fight with Clarissa Shields and Marie-Yves DeCare. Uh, and you know what? Uh, I found like that that was a uh, you know way for you know people to. You know, access women's boxing, uh, those that are fans of the sport, those that, you know, pretty much should support boxing regardless of, you know, who's at the main event. This was that particular opportunity. And, you know, after the fight card, I, you know, pretty much said that, um, you know, what, what that was all about. So, um, you know, with that being said, you know, wanted to, you know, get into this a little bit as uh you did have um you know the first i'd say that first battle on the card there with uh you know jamie mitchell against Noemi Vasquez. jamie mitchell uh was uh coming there unbeaten had seven fights uh her last fight ended up being a draw uh which you know she you know kind of felt like she um you know could have won uh that uh but Going up against Noemi Vasquez, uh, you know, veteran there, 12, but, uh, 12 wins, 15 losses, and three draws, well-traveled, um, you know, in uh, multiple occasions uh, there. Uh, but uh, it was something for uh, Jamie Mitchell to, you know, try to get something in and, and get a, uh, she wanted to go for a stoppage victory, and uh, she was, you know, very active uh, first to the punch uh, on many occasions in there and it was able to just uh, be like uh, on a different class than uh, Noemi Vasquez was and uh, she was you know basically just beating up Vasquez uh, for like you know was around like three you know three four rounds and it and it, it just kind of like was uh, a blowout, you know, from, you know, round one until until when it ended. Uh, you know, referee stepped in, uh, stopped the bout, and uh, was a TKO victory for Jamie Mitchell. Uh, Jamie uh, was, uh, you know, I think, you know, training out there over in uh, Las Vegas, um, you know, uh, I think, one of the uh, trainers that she has is uh, out there over in uh, you know Mayweather's uh, boxing gym, um, but she's you know been working working on her craft and you know getting better there in the bantamweight division. Um, you know she like like she said she had like a you know performance where she had a draw in her last fight back in 2019. Um, that was a majority draw in Las Vegas and, you know, she was really, uh, you know, disappointed about that. So she wanted to, you know, turn around and get a, you know, an impressive victory, uh, there against, uh, Noemi Vasquez and was able to do that. So, 
Um, I think, you know, that was, um, you know, one where she, you know, one where she did, uh, did a thing, um, executed everything well. Um, but, you know, you had, you had Bosquez out there who, you know, was, like I said, very slow, very slow punching, sometimes wasn't very active, uh, with the punches. And, um, you know, I think there was like, um, you know, one instance where it talked about punch stats where uh, she was, Vasquez uh, was, you know, not very accurate um, with her, with her shots or with her punches. And, you know, that um, was evident here. I think they were talking about she only landed about five jabs or so in her last fight. And in this particular fight, it looked like the same thing, around like four jabs landed or counted or, you know, maybe even less than that. And, you know, that kind of was a, um, uh, you know, a, a noticeable thing there in this particular fight. So, um, you know, after, the, after that fight, you know, you kind of seen that, um, you know, Jamie Mitchell celebrated the victory was... You know, very proud of that victory. And but on you know, on the flip side, um, you had Noemi Bosquez there. Uh, you know, had you know yet another loss on the record. Uh, she uh, fall to twelve wins, sixteen losses, and three draws. Um, she did uh, defeat Shelly Barnett, which we'll you know kind of uh, talk about uh, later on here, but. Um, a good number of these fights that she's had here, um, she's had, man, it's been like two wins. She's had two wins uh, since uh, 2015, just two. And, you know, losing to the likes of, like, Heather Hardy and, um, you know, Samantha Salazar uh, and Suleiman Brina uh, before this fight against Jamie Mitchell. And, you know, it, it's one thing to you know, continuously be active and things like that. But um, being put in these type of positions there, 31 bouts, uh, but, you know, 12, 12 wins, 16 losses, and three draws. Um, there are some, you know, either uh, fighters that were active in the sport or those that have been, you know, involved in a, in boxing that kind of said that, you know, maybe um, Noemi Busquets may consider to, you know, hang him up because it's, you know, it's one thing to uh, make, you know, make these fights and, you know, get uh, checks whenever you could get them. But, you know, continuously having these uh, performances where, you know, either you lose by a significant margin or you, you know, get beat up. That's, you know, not necessarily uh, safe out there. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens uh, next for Noemi Vasquez because, like I said, I mean, you... I, I said just two wins since uh, you know 2015, and uh, she only has like one and one since uh, 2016. So um, yeah, going on uh, five years now with just uh, one win uh, against you know uh, Shelly Barnett, uh, which you know, we'll talk about here uh, in this instance as you know Shelly Barnett was involved in uh, one of the other fights on this pay-per-view card uh, as she took on Marlon Esparza. Now, uh, Shelly Barnett had gone through her six, first six fights 
with a record of uh, four wins, zero losses, and two draws, but lost three straight before uh, she uh, went up against Marlon Esparza. And, you know, even in, you know, this particular instance, uh, Esparza, who, you know, kind of has been in the game for a little bit, you know, even though it's like she was uh, eight and one, uh, she did um, she did compete for uh, one of those uh, interim titles in the past um, and had been involved in the uh, fight card that was in Indio, California uh, last October. So uh, she was able to get a fight in in 2020 and before being put in position for this particular card. So uh, she was able to, you know, take advantage of that um, and get a clear win over uh, Shelly Barnett. It was, you know, something where you, you know, another instance of your know, difference in class as far as like the two fighters were concerned. Shelly Barnett, um, you know, really wasn't uh, that active with her offense. And, you know, as far as it was, you know, becoming more and more efficient with her punches and, and those type of things. And, you know, you had like a couple of th uh, instances where they were in close quarters and they were uh, scrapping it out a little bit, but you just seen like a lot of the power punches from Marlon and Esparza uh, were connecting, uh, you know, much better uh, there in that instance. And uh, that was uh, kind of, you know, what I saw in this particular fight. And I also felt like this could have been a, um, you know, one of those instances where that could have been a, uh, Stop it's because Shelly Barnett really was not doing anything much uh, over the course of those rounds, but it was able to get through uh, to that uh, decision uh, portion. And uh, once it you know got there, was a unanimous decision victory, pretty much like a shutout uh, there, you know, almost for uh, Marlon Esparza uh, for her to uh, move to nine wins, one loss, and zero draws. Uh, after the fight, uh, she uh, said that she would be put in position to, you know, fight for uh, the flyweight title uh, there uh, next. So once she's, uh, you know, all in the clear from, you know, the fight this weekend, yeah, they'll see about, you know, putting her out there to, you know, fight for a world title. Um, I think it was uh, the thing about the WBC, I think it's the WBC flyweight title uh, that she'll be uh, competing for, uh, but we'll, you know, see about that, uh, how that's going to work out for. So, um, so that was like another, that was another battle that happened uh, in this pay-per-view card uh, there. Like I said, Marlon Esparza, um, like I said, the uh, veteran uh, there uh, that was able to get a uh, decision win over Shelly Barnett uh, to move to nine and one. Then uh, the co-feature bout, you had a uh, heavyweight bout for the WBC Silver uh, heavyweight title uh, there, as uh, Danielle Perkins um, was taking on Monica Harrison. And this was a, a rematch of um, you know their the last fight that they had, uh, they were able to uh, have, um, actually it was uh, the first 
pretty much like the first fight for Danielle Perkins. Uh, she she was able to get a you know unanimous decision win, and this was over at the Kwon Gym. Then uh, she had another uh, fight over at the uh, Wild Card. I think it was like around Wild, wild Card Gym in L.A. And she got a stoppage victory uh, back in December uh, before this uh, you know rematch here against uh, Monica Harrison. And so um, you know you do have uh, this here where. You know, Danielle Perkins and Monica Harrison um, in the second fight. Uh, Monica Harrison, that was, you know, her uh, only loss up to this particular point. And, you know, you just had to see what was uh, going to happen uh, here. But uh looked like a, you know, a, a stark uh, difference um, in, in, you know, skill, you know. Um, Danielle Perkins, you know, there what uh, you know, six feet with a 72 inch reach and I uh, was able to, you know, pace yourself, you know, pace yourself well and, and, and those things and use that, use that reach to her advantage, was able to move pretty well too. I mean, you know, she, Daniel Perkins is a, you know, former, uh, you know, basketball player, um, uh, just had, you know, a accident. I think it was an accident there that, um, was the you know main issue for her that you know kind of you know ended her uh you know career there in basketball so uh she's seen a, after you know recovering seeing if she could take a boxing and that's what she did and uh she you know had that debut last year against harrison was able to get a unanimous decision there uh got a you know ko victory uh in december and then in this, uh, you know, matchup against Monica Harrison, it was just a, it looked like a more of a clear difference. Um, you know, Monica Harrison did not have any answer uh, for uh, Danielle Perkins. Uh, she was just moving, moving, lumbering forward, lumbering forward uh, there and opened things up for Danielle Perkins to just, you know, use a jab, use a jab and, you know, kind of throw combinations and move, move out of the pocket. Um, or even if they were, you know, in close quarters, it was, you know, one or two punches uh, there for Danielle Perkins and then, you know, getting out of the way. Uh, Monica Harrison, you know, was just throwing one punch at a time, uh, throwing wild shots on many occasions and, you know, missing a good amount of those shots. Uh, nothing to, you know, set traps, nothing to, you know, bait. Uh, Danielle Perkins at any point and you know with that being said um, you, you kind of like uh, seeing that Perkins could have had a couple of instances where she could have gotten a stoppage uh, she um, she had to kind of like catch her breath a little bit uh, around that you know sixth round fifth or sixth round or so, you kind of like seeing that, you know, you know, her mouth was open. She was you know, breathing a little bit heavy. Uh, her overall activity, punch activity kind of dropped in those rounds. So if she kind of uh, stepped it up in those or was able to step it up in those particular rounds, she might've been able to, you know, get the stoppage victory there. But, um, you know, just kind of caught her breath a little bit in those rounds and just finished out 
uh, you know, the last round to, you know, get a shutout victory over uh, Monica Harrison. And so uh, she ha does have an interim title uh, there in the heavyweight division. Um, not sure what uh, could be in position for uh, Daniel Perkins uh, in the, in the, uh, in the future. She wants to see if she could get a world title, uh, whether it's in her next fight or, or whatever it is uh, there at heavyweight. Um, but your remains to be seen. Um, see that she can be put in a position to uh, have uh, fights fights of that magnitude, or you know, being at that level. I mean, you're, there's uh, I think there really isn't you know that much as far as like you know how many uh, fighters are out there. Maybe she could uh, be put in a position to you know fight um, a Laura Ramsey. Uh, there or um, you know Gwendolyn O'Neill, who's you know out of uh, Brooklyn, uh, to see if that that fight could be put together. But you know outside of that, you have to see what uh, could be put in position uh, for you know Monica Harrison. Um, you know, like I said um, in previous conversations, when it comes to the sport of women's boxing, you gotta you know have more uh, fighters there available to set up these type of fights um, so that more interest could be uh, put on the sport. But that could be table for, you know, a uh, later conversation uh, here in this particular uh, podcast. But wanted to get into that main event. Uh, of course, you had super welterweight title undisputed. Uh, the unified champion there, Clarissa Shields, undefeated 10-0, coming into the bout. Uh, Maria Abdekar coming into the bout 17-0. And uh, she had, you know, one belt, and they added the uh, WBA title onto this. I think it was WBA title. Um, you know, you had uh, Clarissa Shields, you know, coming to there with a, you had the um, two belts uh, that she came in with. And Marie DeCare, you know, won a, won a belt there uh, to be 17 and 0. And, you know, after that, they put her right in this position to have this fight against Clarissa Shields. And, you know, it seemed like she was uh, coming in there very confident. Uh, they had like a good amount of time before they could have this particular fight. So, you know, both fighters had, you know, ample time to prepare for this event. They knew the uh, magnitude of it. Uh, being in the main event of a, you know, a uh, pay-per-view or a uh, paid uh, type of uh, fight card. And, I mean, it was just, <laughs> for me, it was just all Clarissa Shields. Uh, the care was just out there, bouncing around, hopping, jumping and hopping, in and, in and out, supposedly. But didn't really throw many punches. Uh, didn't you know, establish any type of jab. She's a taller fighter, a longer, longer fighter, but didn't establish a jab or anything like that. Uh, wasn't very aggressive. Wasn't, you know, get, having any type of timing and seemed like she was, you know, fidgety. Uh, like you were saying uh, during the fight, she was like fidgety and impatient. And on the flip side, you just had Clarissa Shields be very patient, uh, you know, calm, collected, watching what the care was doing and if she wasn't throwing a punch then Clarissa Shields could just open up and you know do what she could 
um, whether she was on a front foot or on a back foot, she had the advantage. There were multiple occasions where, you know, Clarissa Shields backed up to the ropes and just waited for the care to do anything and, you know, really couldn't do that much. So, uh, Clarissa Shields was landing, you know, power shots, landing counters. And, you know, with that being said, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, a, a clear difference in class, you know. Um, I don't know about, you know, Clarissa Seals trying to get near and try to, you know, get a stoppage, but I think with the care, after, you know, the first uh, couple of rounds, she kind of like, you know, I, I guess mucked things up, you know what I mean? Uh, she was like tying up Clarissa Seals a lot. You know, sneaking in a couple of elbows, you know, pushing her off towards the ropes, you know, trying to make things a little bit sloppy. Um, instead of, you know, being more patient, seeing where Clarissa Shields is and, you know, being more uh, confident in her, in her skills or in her jab. And the kid didn't do that. So uh, that was like a clear victory for Clarissa Shields. Um... Yeah, I didn't see, like, any round that the care had in that particular fight. So, Shields is, you know, a undisputed champion at Super Welterweight after, you know, being at middleweight. And, you know, she had a brief time at Super Middleweight. She had a Super Middleweight title as well. Uh, so, she's still undefeated now, 11-0. and And, you know, she's looking forward to, you know, what's next. Yes, we do know that she wants to, you know, jump into MMA and she's going to do that later this year. Uh, but, you know, after that, she was talking about, you know, having a potential fight uh, against the likes of, you know, Katie Taylor. But if it's Katie Taylor at 147 that she wants to be, you know, paid at least a million or you know, more uh, to get down to 147. Like, it's one thing to, you know, start your career at 168, but you know, cutting down to uh, 147, at least for her, I, I just don't see it. Even at 154, it, it it doesn't look like she could really sustain being any lower than 154. You know, like that could, you know, be uh, an issue for her, you know. So if it was going to be a fight at 147, she would need a good amount of time in order to cut down uh, to that weight if she was able to make that weight. So... Why not just, you know, have, you know, other fights there at either super welterweight or middleweight, uh, particularly against Savannah Marshall. Like, why not have that fight against Savannah Marshall? Um, a lot of people, you know, want to bring up, you know, what happened there in the amateurs. Well, you know, Clarissa Shield said, like, hey, you know, that was, you know, how many years ago? You know, now it's like, uh, you know, Savannah Marshall's a pro when... We'll see, like, what uh, position she's going to be in uh, there to kind of get into a uh, fight with Clarissa Shields. So, you know, my thing is, is like, you know, Shields, you know, even through, you know, through uh, 11 uh, professional fights, you know, she's accomplished, you know, a lot as it is. Uh, so... You know, for her, it's like, you know, what's next out there uh, in, in, in the professional ranks in boxing? And so I think, you know, this was one of them. Uh, being able to headline, not just headline an event, but headline a 
you know, pay-per-view type of event. And she was able to do that. And so next up, it's, uh, you know, MMA. She wants to venture into MMA uh, and then see if she could get into that and see how, you know, that would uh, work out for her. So uh, that is your know, one thing we're going to see uh, for Clarissa Shields is if uh, she gets back into the boxing ring, what would her next fight be? Uh, you know, I know that there was uh, kind of like some talk leading into this particular fight um, about a couple of other fighters. Um, one of them was a uh, guest, you know, on this uh, show uh, last year, and that's Tika Hemingway. Tika Hemingway uh, said, you know, fight, uh, you know, it's just venturing into the pro ranks, but uh, Tika and Clarissa Shields have had multiple fights in the amateurs, and you know, you know, people could people say that you know Clarissa Shields may have got the better Tika Hemingway, but Tika Hemingway and you know those rounders say that uh, you know she got a little bit of favoritism, uh, but you know now with Tika Hemingway being in the pro game and now under the tutelage of Hall of Famer Roy Jones Jr. Uh, she's going to see if she could, you know, build her way up and get herself into, you know, the top, um, you know, the top rankings in the, in the division that she's in and see if eventually later on down the line, uh, she gets that fight against Clarissa Shields. Uh, but for right now, Shields is, um, you know, in the uh, business of, you know, going from boxing to MMA and that'll be, you know, pretty soon. I think she's going to have her MMA fight. Uh, what is it like? Come either around May or June. I uh, have to see uh, when that's going to be official. Uh, if it's going to be either in May or June. Probably going to be June because, I mean, like May, that's a quick turnaround. That's two months, you know. Uh, so I think that's going to be uh, the, you know, the uh, course of action. Uh, therefore, Clarissa Shields is that um, she's going to, you know, delve into MMA. And then when she does that, depending on what happens with that and the outcome, then uh, she'll be able to, um, you know, she'll be able to get back into it uh, later on down the line in the boxing ring. Uh, so, you know, that's pretty much, um, you know, one of the, get in uh, so far there with uh, that fight card on pay-per-view headline, like I said, with Clarissa Shields and Marie-Yves DeCare. And um, we'll be able to have a little bit more, going to a little bit more um, into the boxing topics uh, here uh, in a few moments. So uh, we'll be right back here uh, in a few seconds to you know talk about other action uh, that's coming up later on down the line. So um, just hold off for a little bit for those listening live. But those that are, you know, listening on the uh, podcast here, it's just going to be, what, about mm, 30 seconds or so, and then uh, we'll be right back at it here. All right. All right, here we are. We are back at it here on the Boxing Source radio show. And I uh, wanted to see if I could, uh, you know, get 
uh, someone here uh, to join us to go on this uh, boxing talk. So let me see if uh, Vic did uh, check in here um, to, uh, you know, join us here with uh, what's going on, you know, over the course of this week and whatnot. Uh, so uh, let's see uh, who's checking in here. What's going on, James? It's Mike Grady. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. Um, you know, just was going over uh, what was happening uh, on on Friday night. You know, I was able to catch the uh, thing there on Fight TV with uh, Shields and Maria Decare. Um, and you know, I, ca- I I haven't really gotten into the uh, business of the whole thing, but as far as like the actual action uh, that was out there, um, you know, some people were able to see it. Uh, some people were not. Um, and the main event, it was pretty much a, you know, almost like a wash. Uh, the care was just not really that engaging uh, in this. And it almost seemed like either she was too excited or she was too timid uh, there against Clarissa Shields. Yeah, I didn't, um, I didn't watch the fight. Um, I can only speak about the business of this particular fight. Um, I can't really speak on the, the actual fight. Um, yeah, I don't see myself paying for a pay-per-view no matter how much it costs with Clarissa Shields. No no offense to her. She is the quote, or however you pronounce it um, correctly, or arguably the greatest woman of all time. However, I'm not going to pay money to, to watch her fight. Not at this point. I don't think that even with other more notable fighters, I would be a, a bit perturbed if I had to pay money to see them. So, yeah, I uh, I wish there was a model that we could watch boxing for free most of the time because I just finished watching the Ali and Frazier fight, and that was free. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I mean that that ne- not necessarily that was kind of like a closed circuit type of uh, ordeal. That was that was still a pay per view type of of event. The only thing was it it was able to be shown free later on down the line. You know, like how they had the thing for like you know the pay per views on HBO or um you know Showtime, and then the next week you would be able to see it on regular HBO. Uh, so, you know, that's what happened with, you know, that ha- that fight that happened 50 years ago uh, between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Now, the thing about it is with um, the the way that the boxing format is, is that the networks would have to be able to invest in the product in order for, you know, fights or fight cards to be available for free. Uh, for people to watch, like, you know, if it's something like on uh, NBC or CBS or something like that, like, you know, what we had with, you know, Premier Boxing Champions uh, here in the uh, modern day, you know, they have to, NBC has to be able to invest in it or, you know, Fox has to be able to invest in it because that's TV time, that's, you know, uh, sponsorship money uh, that, you know, potentially could be used for that time slot where they could have like another show. They could have a couple shows on during that time slot and they would have to, 
be able to get the right amount of viewership in order to keep that going. Like, for example, I mean, you you had um what was it? The the thing there with Anthony Durrell against Kyron Davis uh, that was on Fox the previous week, you know, um, you know, in the same that was the same day that you had what Canelo and uh, Yodrum, you know, so. Would people be interested enough to watch these things on for free if they're putting them in this particular time slot, like a prime time time slot? And I don't know if, you know, Fox would be fully committed or, you know, uh, CBS or NBC would be fully committed to uh, doing that on a Saturday night um, with with this thing for like, you know, women's boxing. If you, you know, had it to a point where it's like on, um, like, say, Fox Sports 1 or, or anything like that, um, you know, it would be difficult to, you know, get people to garner the interest to you know, see, see these fighters. But the other thing too is, is that you also have the issue of these fighters not being put in position to market themselves to the public. You know, uh, like we've said there, there should be multiple opportunities for these fighters to, you know, promote products and, and that type of thing. So that more people could see them in commercials, see them in TV shows and, and that type of thing. So that once they do have their event, there are a lot more eyes towards them. You know, um, in reference to women's boxing, like they like a lot of them have to work harder in order to get people to, you know, buy tickets and or, you know, order a order a pay-per-view or, you know, be able to watch it on a showtime or anything like that. Like with the example of Carissa Shields. Like, she was on Showtime Boxing before. She headlined, you know, a fight card on Showtime Boxing, you know, that was on Showtime, pretty much in the same area, uh, Flint, Michigan. And now after that, it's like you go through 2020 and everybody knows who you're going to be fighting next, but none of these networks want to pick it up, you know, because, well, maybe they just didn't find a, you know, spot for them, like, uh, like even whether it was Showtime or anything like that, like none of these networks, you know, picked up that fight. So that's why, you know, they had the choice or they had the decision there through, you know, Clarissa Shields and Demetrius Salida to just say, hey, let's just uh, go ahead with this and have it a all-female card um, and, and things like that. But, you know, the way that they had it planned out, there were supposed to be, you know, different fights that were going to be out on there and, and things like that. But uh, some, you know, fell through. Uh, you know, we had, um, you know, one where they could have had um, one fighter on, uh, but, you know, she couldn't make it or she wasn't going to be able to make it because, you know, her, her mother passed. So, um, so that kind of like, you know, mix things up so they had to add people on, you know, within eight days notice or 10 days notice for this particular card. But, you know, outside of that, it was, um, you know, something where they, they just wanted to, you know, try this out because they just didn't have anywhere else to, you know, put Clarissa Seals on uh, for a network. That's all understandable. And I, and I understand that from, a, um, you know, a network perspective. 
why not put it on a, a non primetime day like this fight, the 50 year ago fight was on a Monday or Tuesday. Why not put the fights that don't necessarily garner as much interest on a on a Tuesday? I mean, it, I mean, they kind of like do that. What was it with uh, this uh, Premier Boxing Champion Series? Like you'll have, um, you know, fights that are you know either on Wednesday, or you have you know Showbacks, the New Generation. Uh, you know, those things are kind of like either on like uh, Thursday or Friday or something like that. Um. And it's just like, you know, being able to put them in the right right position, you know. Um, like like I said, usually it, it's kind of difficult for them because it's like, okay, on the network side, it's like, all right, I could give you this particular time slot, you know, and I'm looking at the numbers for that, you know, time period. This is the amount of viewership that I get for, shoot, let's say if – if, if if they don't have a show that's in season, if they, you know, run reruns of a, of a sitcom, like, they can say, okay, we, we get this amount of numbers doing a repeat of this particular sitcom on this time slot. Are you going to be able to equal or surpass that type of viewership if we put you on? Because if they don't, then chances are they won't get that next opportunity uh, to be involved or be able to have that network pick up another event, you know. So that's the thing that a lot of these, um, you know, boxing promotional companies, you know, have to watch out for is that, yeah, you want to get these fights on, you want to, you know, have them uh, shown on TV to the public, but these networks are going to be like, well, if we give you this time slot, y'all got to be able to, Y'all gotta, y'all have to perform in that instance, and if you don't, hey, it's gonna be very difficult to get another chance to have a fight guard be picked up by that network. So, yeah, with the thing on, uh, you know, women's boxing side, yeah, it's gonna be very difficult because one, at least here in the U.S., who who else is you know being recognized as being part of the you know boxing game here in the U.S.? Not that many, not that many at all right now. You know, um, and that just kind of like, uh, you know, affects their uh, overall product, because if you don't have that many being put out there, then you're just going to continuously have that issue to try to have, you know, one, having these fight guards be put on TV. And because of that, two, having these fighters be paid like you know they supposedly want to be paid because you know you have shields talking about you know being paid a million or more than a million and that type of stuff but if that interest is not there then she's not going to be able to get that type of money in the fights that she has in the future yeah yeah i didn't watch the fight but i saw that like you said it was Kind of one-sided. Um, I feel like I feel like a comment that I saw this weekend regarding coming to America too. Like if you criticize it, then it's like you—it's a problem. You can't criticize it 
because for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> so in this case, I feel the same way. I didn't watch the fight. I'm going to say that. But what I will say, you know, there are a lot of history things that are being, that are happening, uh, which are great, which are, which are exciting, which are, you know, the girl is special. At the same time, for her to get mentioned in the same breath as other fighters, I would like to see parody among the sports to where it could be a closer apple to apples comparison versus, you know, X time champion, mm -hmm. unified, undisputed, meaning a totally different thing, which is going to always mean a totally different thing. So I, I, I can't expect it to mean what it means for the men's division. All I'm saying is with, with men's boxing, people becoming undisputed at 140 seems to be a very easy feat nowadays. It's a very uh, obtainable thing. Mm -hmm. But that ain't the case at 147. It's less easier. Uh, and, and certain other divisions is not necessarily the case. It's, it's just much more difficult. But at right. 140, you let six months pass, it's an it's a undisputed fight. And, and I hope I'm talking about the right division. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, it, it's it almost seems like that uh, with 140 pounds. Uh, you know, it, what has it been? Um, 20, it was like 2018 or something like that. 2017, 2018, when Terence Crawford, you know, defeated, um, you know, Julius Sandongo to become undisputed champion. You know, had that knockout win over in Nebraska. Then he moved up and relinquished all those belts. And now here we are, 2021, and you know by May 2021, you're gonna have yet another undisputed uh, title fight at 140 pounds. And so it's like, well, you do have that, but on the flip side, with, with like you know uh, women's boxing, you don't really have that much depth in there to you know have that type of a competition. Like for example. You know, we had in the co-feature bout Monica Harrison versus Daniel Perkins, and that's at heavyweight. Now, through BoxRec, the heavyweight division, they only list 13 fighters at heavyweight, just 13. Uh, you know, compare that to something like flyweight, which is, you know, a little bit deeper. They say there's about 165 fighters, but, you know, still, you're going to have, like, either 13 fighters or you know, 35 fighters at super middleweight or, you know, 45 at middleweight. Like, that's not that much depth in, in the women in women's division. So unless they are able to figure out, you know, how to get more women in the sport, then maybe that could uh, help them out a bit. Want to add in another uh, person on the conversation uh, here checking in from, you know, Motown Philly back again. Uh, should be YSM Sports Media. What's happening? Doom, 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 da, da, doom, 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 da. Good. I was wondering if he's going to do that. I was wondering if he's going to do that. I, I, I appreciate it. Because I was expecting that. Come on, man. You had to, man. Oh, man. What's happening, man? Nothing much. Uh, we talking about women's boxing? Yeah, going off the uh, pay-per-view uh, thing there or Fight TV uh, event. It would have happened or... 
you know, with Correction Shields and Marie DeCare, like on the first, you know, little segment, I just, you know, went through the card and stuff like that. But, you know, now, you know, we're kind of like talking about the business of the sport and kind of like saying why something like this ended up being on a pay-per-view type of uh, format uh, in, in, in one instance, you know, because there really isn't, you know, that much interest right now overall from these networks to pick up, uh, you know, something like this, you know. I, I brought up the example of, you know, Clarissa Shields' main event in a, a Showtime uh, event, you know, a few years ago. But, you know, now, once they propose, I mean, once this fight was going to be made and it was presented, nobody picked it up. So that's why it ended up being a pay-per-view type of, you know, ordeal. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, you know, I, I went ahead and I, I put up the, you know, twenty nine ninety nine on on the joint. You know, some some uh, people that, you know, did, you know, cover the sport did it. Some didn't. I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, you it almost goes to the overall sport itself in that. If you, some people, you know, have that argument about, you know, fighters getting paid. Well, if you want them to be paid, then you're going to have to support the, the product one way or another, either buying a ticket or buying a pay-per-view. And if you don't, then they're going to still be having these type of purses uh, that they have unless they get sponsorships or endorsements. And not a lot of these fighters are getting those endorsements either. All right, let me ask both of y'all a question. Who, who's on, Terrell? Mike. Oh, Mike. What's good, Mike? Not much. I'm mad you don't know my voice by now. No, man, it's it's normally... I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Yeah, I'm messing with you. It's no, it's, yeah, it's so normally you, Terrell, and Mike. All right, so let me ask both of y'all a question, right? Men or women... Oh, let me rephrase that. Are there more men or women on this earth? Women. And what's the ratio? Two to uh, one, three to one? Yeah, it's about two to one, three to one. Something like that. Now, if we were if we were talking about a whole different subject, then I would say about five or seven to one, but I ain't, I ain't gonna get into that. Yeah, I got you. But all right, so let's just say three to one, right? Okay, so I don't hear Beyonce complaining about support. I don't hear Rihanna complaining about support. Word. I don't. I don't hear Cardi B complaining about support. Word. I. I don't hear um. Who's an actress? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Uh, what was what? What's that? Uh, just uh, stallion just, chick. That stallion, yeah, Meg the Stallion, Jessica Biel, um, I can go on and on. I do not hear them complaining about support. Her demographic, right? You have women athletes that constantly complain that men aren't showing them the same respect and they should be paid as much as men. But meanwhile, their demographic outnumber us three to one. So why are you trying to cater towards me when you should be directing all that energy towards your sisters. Your sisters aren't the one that support you. I support LeBron. I support uh, Javante Davis. I support Canelo Alvarez. Right. You have three, you, you have I three times Eddie Murphy. 
Yeah, you have three times as many people as we do. But, but why are you complaining about support? The issue is women not supporting women's sports. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with us. Yep. Women support everything else. They shit, they even support the Instagram models more than they support women athletes. Like mm-hmm. or, or if we're gonna keep it at bay, let's call it, let's call it spade a spade. Carissa Shield has to indoctrinate indoctrinate herself into the urban market and she hasn't. Hasn't even tapped into it at what does that mean? Point. What she she, she hasn't immersed herself basically. Like she doesn't like like I right, let's look at Javante Davis, right? You might see Tank with with a rapper, or back in the day you might see Mike Tyson in a video or Floyd in a video. Who yep. does Carissa Shields be around? Like your, your demographic is women, okay? Have your people reach out to Cardi B, get in the video, get in the Meg The Stallion video. You have to make women associate you with popular figures. Like w- women don't understand; they don't know who's good in sports. Well, women's sports—they don't care who you fight. If they like you, they'll support you. Regardless, but they have to know who you are, and if they don't know who you are, they're not going to support you. Right. Yeah, it's just and, that simple. And the thing is, I, I've you know constantly said it that you know women are are the most liberal like spenders. They are the one. They are the ones that are the real consumers. Like when when things are. When commercials are out there and things like that, they usually market towards the women. That's that's how it's usually of been. Of course. So why is it that, you know, they don't actually cater to that particular market? And like you said, it goes pretty much all across the board in women's sports. They don't market towards, you know, the female demographic. And it doesn't make nope. any sense. Because they're the ones that spend the money. We get the money. They spend the money. That's how it usually is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now. And, and guess what? Where where are they getting the money? Like, yeah, they're making the money, but where are they getting the money also? Yeah. You know. Us. Yep. <laughs> like. So. Like, these these like, chicks ain't paying for $400 weaves by themselves. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just yeah. not how this works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'm like. Hey, nowadays it's like they get they got their money and they get our money, depending on if they're in a relationship or not. Like, come on, son. So, how is it that all you know you have you know like a Clarissa Shields or you know I could say maybe a Candace Parker or you know anything like that. Um, you know even even in the UK, I don't really see it that much in the UK with Katie Taylor either. You know. Um, it's usually us that you know go in and, and support to see her fight, but you know outside of that, yeah, you're not seeing you know women being in there and and supporting these fighters that step in the ring. So how do you expect to get that money if you know more of your you know gender or whatnot is you know not supporting? Can't really. You know, if y'all can't deal with that, or y'all can't uh, 
figure out how to solve that, then it's going to be the same result over and over again. And you know what's crazy, though? These women are going to fights. That's the thing. You've been to fights like I've been. There are a lot of women that fight. Yeah. Aren't there a lot of women at your fights? (laughs) Yeah. You know, whether it's the, um, like the Tank Davis fight, like we, uh, you know, Mike and I went over in Atlanta. They were there at the Tank Davis fight. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be, you know, there in uh, Philly for some of those fights. They'll be there in New York. Um, I have an know. answer to his question. Go ahead, Mike. Give it to me. Go ahead. Because they can't get drafted at the women's fight, silly. True. They can get drafted at the Javante Davis fight or the Adrian <laughs> Broner fight. They can get drafted there. All Star Weekend. They can get drafted. Hey, you, hey, Mike. That was a very good point, Mike. <laughs> that was a very good point. They, they, Mike. They go for business. They ain't going for pleasure. It's for business. I mean, most of the time I see women. Um, let me. Uh, I gotta. <laughs> let me make sure. I don't want to get in trouble, but um, a lot of times I see women at fights. They're either with their significant other who looks like a rapper or somebody, or you know, they're they're with somebody. And then if they're not with somebody, they're there to see somebody. It's right, always so some association. The women who's with their significant other, you telling me that you can't drag your man to see Clarissa show? Yo, let, let's keep it a bean. I do stuff. That I don't want to do all the time, just so I won't hear my chick's mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yo, men, we are the hardest, you know, toughest people, like like species on this earth. But one thing a man don't want no smoke with is his chick with an attitude. Man. Whatever's going to shut her up. Four hundred dollar weave or four hundred dollar um boxing ticket. Which one you she gonna choose? Yeah, that's true. That's true but at the same time, they go to Beyonce concert. We pay for all. They can get drafted again. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, if we're going with them, they've already been drafted. Yeah. Oh, good point. So why is it you can spend that money on Beyonce, but you can't spend that money on Clarissa too? Because Beyonce, the shit is an event. Carisha Shields has to tap into that market and make her shit an event. Yep. Maybe, maybe, maybe she needs to go ahead and uh, holler at Triller or something like that, and maybe they could help her out or something. Yeah. Like no, that that wouldn't be a bad idea. Put her on the undercard with what to have her take a pay cut, right? Reach out the trailer, put me on the undercard of a Mike Tyson fight. Yep. Have me fight an MMA fighter or something like that. Yep. She could she could she could do that. I might have to I might have to um you know give a give a call to uh Salita and see if we could drop that drop that idea to him. But uh, yo, Mike was on point though. Like a lot of a lot of the the uh, women that do go to you know the sporting events, they go there to get drafted. Mike, that was the realest shit ever. Yo, when they when ever. they walk in, hey, and y'all ever. don't associate that with me. Don't associate that. Yeah. I, I was posing the point that I heard on the internet. When, I didn't say that. When, 
when they walk in, when they walk in, in the arena. James, you better not post this shit either. Little <laughs> baby selects Taquisha from Yo. Queens, New York. <laughs> Yo, this hey, hey, I don't know how I ended this, man. Yo. Taquisha just got her body done. Yeah. So she's running on all cylinders. <laughs> she's in her peak condition. She's in her prime, yeah. man. But but it, but it is, but it does, you know, go to that particular point, though, because that's what I mean, straight up, that's what happens in, in these sporting events. You don't really, right. you don't really see, you know, them as actual fans of the sport, other than the only way, the only exception that I do see is probably NFL. I really don't see them that much in, in baseball games, I really don't. Well, but, you ain't you ain't gonna see him in NFL games like that. You know why? It's cold. It's outside. Yeah. <laughs> women, women hate the cold, bro. Women hate yeah. the elements. Yeah, they yeah they don't they don't want to put on a jacket you, or nothing like that. You put a you put a football game on a on a beach, in um in Cancun and and watch with that crowd look like. Yeah, you can you know probably go to you know like you said a Hard Rock Stadium in Miami or Raymond James or. Well, I can't really say Jacksonville because nobody really goes to that game. Um, or maybe, you know, over there in um, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium in Atlanta. You know, you might see that. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, like in, in New York or Philly or, you know, New England, uh, you, you ain't really going to see all that. But when it's like a basketball game, everything is enclosed, indoors, you know, then yeah, you're gonna see them. You're gonna see them out there. But you know, when it comes to you know women's sports, I'm like, if they the, if 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 they got the money, then they should be able to be invested in the product. And if they're you know not generally interested in sports overall, like coming up, they're not gonna be inclined to you know watch a you know whether it's a WNBA game or. You know, women's college basketball, they about to jump off with the tournament uh, here next week or, you know, anything with women's basketball. Well, can I stop you? Can I stop you right there? Women's uh, college basketball, the major programs don't have that problem. Yeah, some of the yeah, major pro- college programs. The don't major have programs LSU, do not have that problem. Connecticut, Tennessee. Because they already have a built-in fan. Duke. Yeah, you know, Duke. They have a built-in fan base already. UConn, Baylor. Um, South Carolina, yeah, they build their base, you know, their constant yeah. base. So, how is it that they're, how is it that they haven't been able to, you know, push that over to the pro leagues? Because, like, like you said, with women's college basketball, it's been like that for decades. Like, you know, Look, when they had the Old Dominions, when Old Dominion was good, you know, I'm, in the I'm, early nineties, late early early nineties, Louisiana Tech. Um, I'm going to give it to you, though, Jack. I'm going to give it to yeah. you real fast. Okay, so no one is attached to the WNBA teams. They don't have a sense of history, lineage, a culture. They they were started in what, late 90s? Yeah, late 90s, yeah. 
You go to Tennessee. You're Tennessee. You're Tennessee for life. You go to Duke. Yep. You're a blue devil for life. Like that, that fan base, that fan base is solidified. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, the these, you know, either whether it's like pro teams or you know anything like that, they don't have that type of tie in. You know, whether it's, you know, the thing with WNBA or, you know, that football league that was, you know, going around. Either way, you, you just don't have that overall interest. While, you know, for college, yeah, they've been, you know, affiliated them for years, for life. You know, Duke, North Carolina, uh, Connecticut, Tennessee, you know, bringing those up. Baylor now, you know, um, South Carolina, you know, that's had their program going on. So, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, with the boxing scene, like, if you only just have only a few people within the sport in general that's competing, you're not going to, you know, get that opportunity to have more and more and more fights and cards to put, put up there, you know, for people to, you know, even try to attend. You know, like, you can't, like, it is, it's very... Um, difficult when you have on one side in men's boxing, you could have like whole countries, you know, be involved in the sport and have a lot of fighters, you know, within, you know, these uh, weight classes. But on the women's side, it's not even one tenth of the amount of uh, competitors that are out there being active in the division. So, and I'm sorry, you can't, yeah. you can't have a show that. Now you can't at this moment. In the future, you you will be able to, but now you can't have a show that's all female and expect to get the the accolade or the uh, reception of a ten year later, like how it be ten years from now when people are more, hopefully more immersed in the sport. The way that you do that is you have a main event woman or something, and then you have a fight under that, an undercard or or a co-feature that that is also just as interesting or or is as interesting, but but for the sake of you know marketing or whatever reason, you put the woman to be featured in one of them two slots. That's how you do it. You don't go cold turkey and say it's an all-woman show and then be like, why aren't we getting the support? Why aren't you buying my thirty-dollar pay-per-view? That's all women and and no like other stuff that that will at least wet my mouth to to it to at least you know convert over you gotta convert people I mean yeah, there's gotta be a way to you know slowly get them get them over uh to you know gravitate towards it you know hopefully you know you don't um get it to the point where they would be interested in what the, you know, the guy there, you know, it could be, you know, two guys there fighting in the co-feature bout. But after that co-feature bout, that many of the fans that, you know, were interested in that co-feature bout don't want to be there for the main event. Hopefully it doesn't uh, get to that particular point. But even even so, one way or another, they, you know, whoever attends, if they're able to attend, they bought a ticket. So, you know, the main event gets the, uh, you know, main portion of what the ticket, uh, you know, ticket sales go to. So, 
you know, that's the thing about it. Um, and, you know, maybe they do have to have something like, you know, either like what, uh, you know, uh, Jay from YSM Sports Media said is that, you know, maybe they could, you know, have Clarissa on one of those thriller cards, you know, later on down the line or, you know, where she knows she could be involved. Like even even if it was like, say, if she could have been involved in this upcoming thing for Teofimo Lopez against George Cambosis, like she could, you know, put herself in that or, you know, try to get herself in that. But um, they just wanted to see if they could, you know, headline a card and then see what would happen if they would be able to get, you know, picked up there. So, um, you know, that's the thing on that. Um, as far as like that particular, you know, um, situation is, you know, th- that's something that, you know, a lot of these uh, fighters and promoters are going to work on. Um, you know, we've had, you know, Demetrius Salida be, you know, v- uh, very outspoken in reference to, you know, her fighter here um, in Clarissa Shields. You've had, you know, Luda Bella be very outspoken uh, for, you know, uh, women's boxing. Uh, and a few others uh, that are out there, um, you know, whether it's like, you know, Samson Litkowitz or, you know, other, um, you know, fighters out there or uh, promoters out there, too. But, you know, they got to be able to be more innovative and get these fighters out to where more people could see them outside of the ring so that, you know, um, once they do have a fight, that they'll be able to. You know, get things going and uh, get things cracking. All right, uh, just uh, having a quick break here, you know, for about a few moments, and then we're going to get into uh, other uh, boxing action that's coming up next week. All right, now you have um, what's coming up next weekend. It should be the... um, you know, we were talking about women's boxing. There is a rematch coming up. You're going to have the uh, welterweight titles on the line. Of course, you have the undisputed super welterweight titles. Now we're going to have the undisputed welterweight uh, fight coming up. Jessica McCaskill, who was the, you know, first person to defeat Cecilia Brekus last year and become the undisputed welterweight champion. That will be a part of the undercard for the rematch uh, with uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez against Juan Francisco Estrada. Uh, And that fight will be for the unified super flyweight title. So uh, that action will be at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas uh, next weekend. Um, I was going to, you know, go out to that, but uh, not going to be able to make it. But, you know, I'm looking forward to at least those two particular fights uh, there. Um, you know, Gonzalez versus Estrada is, um, you know, a very good uh, scrap. Like they, they, The last scrap was years ago where, you know, uh, Gonzalez was able to pull a victory uh, there. But uh, Juan Francisco Estrada has only, like, had, um, you know, one loss since then uh, at super flyweight. Uh, you know, he's been a, he's been a unified flyweight champion. Um, you know, uh, he's been, 
you know, they're at light flyweight too, but, you know, this is probably one of the uh, better fights that's going to happen. Um, you know, we did have, uh, he wasn't a good little bout against Carlos Quadras last year, uh, where he got a TKO victory, but uh, here he's going up against Chocolatito, um, you know, for the uh, unified super flyweight titles there, WBC and WBA. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, you're going to have, <clears throat> you're going to have Cecilia Breakthrough see if she could avenge her loss to Jessica McCaskill. Uh, but, you know, like I was saying there with uh, Cecilia Breakthrough before her first fight, she's there with, you know, Abel Sanchez. And as long as Abel Sanchez is the trainer there, then I favor the fighter that doesn't have Abel Sanchez as a trainer. So, I'm leaning towards Jessica McCaskill in this rematch. She's, you know, younger. She she came in there as a young, hungry uh, fighter. And she was able to fight her fight for the majority of the uh, of what happened over in Tulsa last year. Um, Cecilia was just more kind of, uh, you know, welcoming that engaging type of style when she could have just, you know, kept the distance and jabbed her way to, you know, a victory or whatever it was. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't see where she's not going to be doing the same thing here. So I have McCaskill, uh, with the advantage in that particular fight. And, uh, for Estrada, you know, Estrada is, uh, going up against Chocolatito. I think that's a, uh, a, a real toss-up fight. Uh, there, I think that Estrada has, uh, you know, improved a lot uh, since their fight, and that she uh, he uh, can probably get the better of Chocolatito Gonzalez. But it, it's going to be a very good uh, matchup there. Also, you have uh, former WBC Super Middleweight Champ David Benavidez going up against Ronald Ellis uh, in Connecticut. Uh, that's going to be a WBC eliminator of sorts. Um, you know, Benavidez, like he got to stay, he got to stay within weight, man. If he's going to compete there at 168 pounds, if he's going to say that he wants those fights against Caleb Plant or against Canelo Alvarez, then he got to be able to, you know, stay on point and stay within weight. You know, um, we had like the other, um, Eliminate about with uh, Anthony, the dog Darrell, and Kyron Davis that ended up being a draw. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen with that because Darrell said that he isn't interested in the rematch. And, and even if he won, he wasn't going to be interested in whoever won on Saturday. So the winner of this particular fight is pretty much in uh, some type of limbo because Benavidez, if Benavidez wins, then... I don't see if they're going to just, you know, go ahead and name him the mandatory contender or not, which that might end up happening, but we'll see about that. Uh, but that's like, you know, most of the uh, action that's going on uh, for March 13th there, like I said, over in Dallas and over in uh, Uncasville, Connecticut. Um, just seeing here, like, as far as, you know, what else is uh, coming up, that, that should be... Uh, basically, um, what's happening, at least for that particular week, um, you have uh, Arthur Bedebiev, uh defending his titles against Adam Deans on the 20th. 
uh, that Pavekin Dillon White fight is going to be March 27th. So that uh, is the, you know, that's the um, schedule uh, there for the rest of this month um, there. So uh, that's the action that's uh, going down uh, here so far. Um, is there like anything that you're looking for, uh, either with uh, Benavidez or, you know, maybe the um, <clears throat> that Chuck Latito versus uh, Roman Gonzalez fight next week? Uh, Chuck Latito fight new again, Estrada. Yeah. I mean, that should be a good fight. Um. Is there anything I'm looking for? I even think the the breakers fight should be a good, you know, competitive fight. Um, Benavidez, I, who are you fighting again? He's fighting Ronald Ellis, uh, you know, someone that, you know, has been floating around as a contender in, in uh, super middleweight. But he's favorite, obviously. Yeah, Benavidez is favorite. His biggest challenge, like you said, is making weight. Um, I mean, I think that card should be entertaining. I think, you know, I'm always excited to see if Benavidez uh, speed bag somebody again. That'd be hmm. nice to see. Hmm, right. See if somebody like a speed bag, you know, knock him out. Right. But I think that in order for him to do that, he needs a fighter that's right in front of him. He can't have a, a moving-ish type fighter because then it's, it's a bit harder. For him to let his hands go and, and show that speed that he has. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he got to make weight and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see better, better BF. Um, who you said fighting, not better BF? Um, or was it better BF? Yeah, better BF will be, uh, you know, that following week. He's going to have his, you know, um, defense against Adam Deans. Um, gotcha. But, you know, everybody's waiting for him to fight, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> Demetri Baval, you know, there at that particular weight class, 175. But, you know, they haven't really done much to try to make that fight happen. Yeah. But there's nothing particularly. I'm, I think those should be pretty competitive, fan-friendly fights. And, I mean, that'll make that card that most of the fights will be either knockouts or fan-friendly, competitive-ish. Yep, yep. And, you know, on that other card um, with Benavidez and, and Ellis, um, they have, what is it, Terrell Garcia against Jamonte Clark uh, there at, um, I think, yeah, this is going to be a super welterweight. Like, Terrell Garcia, you know, had his fight against you know, uh, Lara and, um, I think he, he had that, uh, fight against, um, <clears throat> I think he had another one where he, you know, fell short against Erickson Lubin too. So, uh, that this is going to be his, uh, you know, next fight there against, um, you know, Jamonte Clark. And, uh, I think, you know, outside of that, you know, we, we just have to, um, see what other things develop out there. Um, in reference to the sport, of course, you know, people had been talking about, you know, uh, Canelo fight, fighting uh, Billy Joe Saunders in, uh, you know, May. You're also going to have that, you know, like we were mentioning, uh, Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez over in May as well. You do, um, 
what is it? Oh, they finally, they finally, finally announced Andy Ruiz Jr. against Chris Ariola. But it's going to be on pay-per-view. Yep, it's going to be on pay-per-view. Um, and a lot, I, I feel, you know, I feel like a lot of people um, said like they really weren't um, happy about that or happy about that news. But I felt like it was going to be expected because with Andy Ruiz Jr., you know, he's the former unified heavyweight champion. Yes, he did upset uh, Anthony Joshua. Uh, they got paid in that fight in June of 2019, and he got paid in December of 2019. And because he got that type of pay, his next fight was going to be almost around that particular range. You, he was there was no way that they could give him a significant pay cut after you know giving him almost what 14 to 15 million dollars in 2019 total so you know with that being said that kind of like has him uh being paid a minimum of probably 2 million or 2.5 and when you have uh you know a five person that magnitude or that amount anything above that it has to be a pay-per-view to see if, you know, companies could get their money. So they weren't going to have uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, fighting a Chris Ariola on, a, you know, like a regular Fox network or anything like that. So there, you know, there isn't much of a chance for it to, you know, be on regular network. It's on pay-per-view. Uh, they're going to have Sebastian Fundora as part of the card. There's going to be, you know, a few other fights uh, they're featured. It's, it's more of like a more of a Mexican type of a card that they're gonna have in in this instance here on April twenty fourth. Uh, but you know Ruiz, Andy Ruiz, being able to get back in the ring, uh, you know, for a while. Uh, I know that he, you know, wants to show uh, five five second videos of him being in the gym there with uh, his new trainer Eddie Reynoso. And having those rumors spread around again, like he's losing a lot of weight, but um, you know it, it all remains to be seen uh, if he you know does lose a lot of weight or if he's you know more uh, fluent in his fighting style. Uh, but going up against a Chris Ariola, that's you know that's not really gonna uh, show that much, at least uh, not for now. You know, Chris Ariola. You know, has been inactive for you know a little bit longer than Andrew Ruiz, and you know while they you know promised Ariola another fight after losing to you know Adam Kalnaki in a very active uh, fight where two heavyweights throwing uh, over a thousand punches each or something like that, like you know that's nuts. But after after that, it's like you got to be able to pair him up with somebody, and I think that's what it was. They wanted to pair him up against another fighter with active hands um, that may not have that much, maybe not have that much power, but, you know, still has something that, you know, uh, fighters could respect there in the heavyweight division. So, you're going to have that Andy Ruiz Jr. Uh, versus Chris Ariola April 24th, and that's going to be on pay-per-view uh, there. So, that's, you know, most of the action that's going down out here in this instance there. Uh, so that about, you know, covers the most of the news that's been out right now. Anything else, you know, I'll be able to uh, go through over the course of the week. Um, wanted to see if I could uh, 
get uh, one guest uh, one guest that's going to be on. I'll probably at, at the middle of the week. Uh, we're going to see about working on that there for the midweek report uh, that we have scheduled usually on Wednesdays. So be on the lookout for that there. Um, but outside of that, that you know pretty much covers what uh, we have here for this particular podcast. Uh, any uh, parting words there for you, uh, Mike? Oh, none. None for me. All right, no problem there. So, you know, with that being said, that is the conclusion of this particular episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show here. We're going to be hopefully back at it uh, next week uh, around this uh, same particular, uh, you know, time period when it gets, uh, you know, posted on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and everything. Uh, there, so y'all be able to, you know, catch this on demand. Um, and you know, with that being said, the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to send and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs>